All righty. Um, I am so glad to be with you. And so I have been listening. If you hadn't had a chance, I was listening to David Wilkerson's Prophecy from 1973. If you go on YouTube, David Wilkerson was a great man of God and a great preacher at that. And so he gave a prophecy in 1973 concerning uh, America and concerning the things that he, the Lord had instructed him. And I know that um, uh, revelation and true prophecy is the Word of God, and any prophecy that is not backed up by the Word of God, we shouldn't listen to. But his prophecy is certainly scriptural. And so I advise you to go listen to it. It's very intriguing about what the Lord had showed him concerning the end times. And it's right along according to Scripture. It doesn't contradict Scripture at all. And so I really believe, and I, I'm saying this wholeheartedly, I really believe that I know it looks like we're in uh, stressful times, and rightfully so. Some of us are stressed. Some of us is uh, walking in fear. And I advise you not to walk in fear, but to walk in faith. And this is some, uh, some times that we're just questioning what is happening. And some people are just really fearful. But I encourage you as a child of God, there's nothing to be fearful over. We are His. We belong to Him. And everything is under control. God is sovereign. Everything's under His control. Everything's in His hands. And this is exciting times. Do you know why I believe this is exciting times? Because... Uh, number one, God is in control. Number two, I belong to Him. And if I belong to Him, I'm in the ark of safety. Everything's going to be all right. And I also believe that we are living at a time where there's going to be a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we, as a church, especially Christ Point, I know that other churches have prayed about it, but I know that we, in particular, have prayed about it for the last two years. We are praying for a spiritual awakening. And so it's, I know in my spirit, that it's getting ready to happen, and it is happening right before our eyes. So be encouraged. Don't walk in fear. Walk in faith. Fear says what if, but faith says even if. Even if. And so I just want that to be rooted in your spirit tonight. Amen. So these are great days that we are living in, and God is getting ready to do something great in us and through us. No reason to be fearful, but to, this is a season for us to look in anticipation about what God is getting ready to do. We are living in exciting times. We are getting ready to experience one of the greatest outpourings of the Holy Spirit that we have ever experienced in our life. We are getting ready to experience where heaven is getting ready to kiss the earth. And I am excited for it. And so I want you to continue to pray with me because it's getting ready to occur. It's getting ready to happen. And so this is a side note. I don't want you to walk in fear. I want you to walk in faith. Fear says, fear says what if. Faith says even if. I want you to have that kind of faith that says even if. There are three things I want to, and this is kind of off topic. I'm kind of just sharing with you what I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to share with you before I get into the Word. There are three things that Satan cannot do. You know, sometimes we feel like that all of hell is bombarding against us, but that's that's not the right perspective to have. We are in the ark of safety. We are in his hands, and there's nothing to fear. There are three things that Satan cannot do. Number one, he cannot stop God from loving you. He cannot stop God from loving you. There are three things that Satan cannot do. Number one, he cannot stop God from loving you. So no matter what's happening in the world or no matter how you feel, God 
or sainted cannot stop God from loving you. Number two, he cannot stop God from hearing you. So Satan cannot stop God from loving you, and he can't stop God from hearing you. And number three, he cannot stop God from responding to you. There are three things that the devil cannot do. Three things the devil cannot do. Let this resonate in your spirit tonight. Three things the devil cannot do. Number one, he cannot stop God from loving you. Number two, he cannot stop God from hearing you. And number three, he cannot stop God from responding to you. Can I hear an amen? So these are great times that we are living in. Amen. These are great times. And as I think about the times that we are living in, uh, the times that we are living in, there's a story that kind of reflects the situation that we live in. I, I was thinking today, what could I share with you that is applicable to your life and especially as you look around and see the events that's occurring and what's occurring around us, what is there a scripture that I can share with you? Is there a passage story that I could share with you? And uh, and this is what I feel like the Holy Spirit was directing me to share with you. As a matter of fact, it's an Old Testament story that all of you have heard before, and you've heard it several times. As a matter of fact, I believe we've exhausted the story because we've heard the story so many times. But it's a story that I believe that really demonstrates uh, the day and age that we live in, and it also is applicable to how many of us are feeling right now. And so it's found in First, First Kings chapter 17, and it speaks of the drought that uh, Elisha the prophet was experiencing. And so um, the Bible says in First Kings chapter 17, listen to the word of the Lord, First Kings chapter 17, verse number 1, And Elisha the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilgal said unto Ahab, As long as the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be no rain or dew these years except by my word. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows from the Jordan. And it will be that ye shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. There the ravens came and brought him meat and bread in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Now, I'm going to read more passages in just a moment, but let me just dissect this and give you a few principles from this story. It's interesting to me that this story opens up with a drought. This story opens up with a famine. Uh, in other words, there is no food. And the reason that there is a famine in the land is because of Ahab and Jezebel. We know the context of the story that Ahab and Jezebel are wicked leaders. And because of their wickedness, God said there's not going to be no rain or dew uh, through these many years that the prophet had said. And so uh, the prophet, which is Elisha, began to prophesy and said there's not going to be any rain or dew for an X amount of years. And so... And you see this great drought, this great famine that came upon the land. But I want you to see a principle here. 
that even though the drought and the famine was caused by the wickedness of people, God took care of his own people. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God took care of his own people. It didn't matter who caused the drought. It didn't matter what caused the drought. It didn't matter what caused the famine. God took care of his own people. And I want to say to you, Christ's point, God is going to take care of his own people. It doesn't matter what's happened in the economy. It doesn't matter if the government is shut down. It doesn't even matter if the church building is shut down. God is going to take care of his people. And you see right here in 1 Kings chapter 17 how God took care of his own. God took care of his own. Amen. And you see that all throughout history, how God led his people out of Egypt. And how he saved his people from the death angel, how he led him through the how he led him through the Red Sea, how he preserved his own people, Noah and his eight members of his family, how God preserved them in the ark of safety. I'm telling you, God will preserve his own. Right in the midst of famine, right in the midst of famine, no food, in the midst of drought, God took care of, took care of his own people. Now the question is, is how did he take care of his own people? How did he take care of his own people? Well, the prophet Elisha, the Bible says, the prophet Elisha, the word of the Lord came to the prophet and said, I want you to go by the brook. I want you to go by the brook Cherith, which is by the Jordan. And the prophet, and the Lord said to the prophet, there I'm going to have the ravens to feed you bread and meat every morning and bread and meat every evening. Now, my first principle I want you to see in this story is that no matter what is going on in the land, God will provide for his own. God will provide for his own. And God provided for the prophet. God provided for his prophet. And how did God provide for his prophet? He commanded the ravens to feed him every morning and every evening. Now, that's interesting. Do you know why that's interesting? Because ravens are consumers. In other words, ravens eat everything in sight. Ravens, listen, a raven feeding the prophet bread every morning and meat every morning and every evening. Ravens are consumers. Ravens eat everything in sight. But God commanded the raven to feed the prophet every morning and every evening. God commanded the ravens to feed Elisha. He commanded a raven. A raven is a bird, is a bird that's a consumer that eats everything in sight. They would have ate the bread and the meat. Instead of delivering it to the prophet, they would have ate it. But God supernaturally had the raven to deliver to the prophet bread and meat every morning and every evening. Principle number two. Principle number one, not only will God provide for his own, no matter what's happening in the world, God will always take care of his own. But number two, when you trust God and when you obey his word, God will provide for you in ways that you never thought he could ever provide for you. Isn't that amazing? Who would ever have thought that a raven would feed him every morning and every evening? A raven is a consumer. A raven would have ate the bread and the meat, but instead, supernaturally, the raven fed the prophet every morning and every evening. 
principle. Number two, when you trust God and when you obey his word, God will provide for you in ways and places where you thought it could never come. Hallelujah. A check can show up at your mailbox even during a place of famine. In a place of drought, God could cause provision to come to you. I'm about to shout up in my office. I'm telling you, God takes care of his own. God will provide for you in ways and places that you never thought would ever be possible. And that's exactly what happened for the prophet. God provided for the prophet in a famine. God provided for the prophet in a drought by a raven which is a consumer, which is a bird that should have ate the bread and the meat himself, but God supernaturally caused the raven to feed him every morning and every evening because when you trust God and when you put God first, God will provide for you in ways and places that you never thought provision could ever come from. Somebody say amen. I want you to be encouraged tonight. If you belong to him, and you got his name tattooed upon the door of your heart, I'm telling you God will provide for you in places and ways that you never thought provision could ever come from. Who would have ever thought that a raven would have provided for him? But when you put God first, and when you put God number one, God will cause provision to come to you in places and ways that you never thought it could ever come from. Could you lift your hands up right where you're at and say, Lord, I thank you for provision. I thank you for resources. I thank you, Father, for favor. I thank you for putting me in a place that provision and favor will come to me in places that I never thought would have come. When you put God first and you put God number one, provision will come to you in places and ways that you never thought would ever come. Somebody say amen. Here, God provided for him. So number one, God will provide for his own. He will always provide for his own. Number two, when you trust God, God will provide for you in places and ways that you never thought provision could ever come from. Amen. I want you to raise your level of faith, and I want you to anticipate what God can do in and through your life. I want you to anticipate provision coming in your life. Amen. Here, who would have ever thought in a drought that a raven would have provided for the prophet. But God had ways of providing provision for the prophet in ways that was beyond his imagination because he trusted the word of the Lord first. And when you trust the word of the Lord first, God will provide for you. Amen. My third, my third point is this. God will never ask you to do something that you don't have the resources for. God will never ask you to do something that you don't have the resources for. Say that with me. God will never ask me to do something that I don't have the resources for. Now you see this in the scripture. The Bible says that after the word of the Lord came to the prophet, the prophet left the brook because the brook dried up. Listen, how do I know I need to move on in my life when the brook dries up? When resources dry up, when provision dries up, when it stops the flow, when the flow stops, that is a key and that is a principle that God is trying to move you on to the next season of your life, not cycle. There's a difference between a season and a cycle. A cycle is something that you create 
by your habitual behavior, but a season is directed by God. Can I hear an amen? God wants to break the cycles of sin in your life. He wants to break the cycles of bondage in your life, but God wants to move you in a season of provision. And so how do I know that God is getting ready to move me in a season when the brook dries up? And when the brook dried up, the prophet left. And what happened? When the prophet left, the Bible says he was moved to a place. The word of the Lord came to him and saying, Arise and go down to Zarephath, which belongs to Zion, and there I have commanded a widow, a widow, to provide for you. Now hold on here. What was number two? What was principle number two? Principle number two is this. When you trust God and you put God first, God will provide for you in ways and places that you never dreamed provision could ever come from. Who would have ever thought that provision would come from a raven? And number two, who would ever thought that provision would come from a widow woman? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, because when you trust God, God will put you in places and he will provide for you in places and ways that you never thought provision could ever come from. God provided provision for the prophet through a raven and now he's providing provision for him through a widow woman. A widow woman, a woman who has no source of income, a woman who has no husband, and a woman who has no job and no source of income, but God says, listen, I'm going to provide for you in a way that's going to prove to you that I'm in the midst of you. I'm going to provide for you in a way that's going to show you that I am working for you. And right now, right now in the story, you see God providing for the prophet through a widow woman, a woman who has no job, no husband, and no source of income, but God's going to use this woman to provide for the widow. And what does what happens here? The Bible says, and so he arose, the prophet, and he arose and went down to the gate of the city. Indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said to the woman, please drink, bring me a little drink of water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called unto her again and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Now listen to what the woman said. And so she said, As long as the Lord God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful, handful of flour in a bin, and a little bit of oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple sticks that I may go in to prepare it for myself and my son. There we may eat it and there we may die. Listen to me, church. Point number three. God will never ask you to do something or to give something that you don't have resources for. If God asks you to do something, he knows that you already have the resource to do it. And here, don't, get the, don't lose me. In the story... The prophet said to the woman, I want you to bring me some bread. And the woman said, as long as the Lord God lives, I don't have any bread to give you. The only thing I have is a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil that I may go in and cook it for ourselves. For me and my son, we're going to eat it and we're going to die. Now, don't lose me, church. God will never ask you to do something that you don't already have the resources for. The prophet said to the woman, bring me some bread. And the woman said, I don't have no bread. All I have is flour. Well, how are you used to make bread? What's the main ingredient to make bread? It's flour. 
she didn't realize that she already had the resources to make the bread. She had the flour and she had the oil. She already had the resources to make the bread. She thought she didn't have the bread. He said to the prophet, I don't have no bread to give you. All I have is flour and all I have is oil. Well, church, that's all you need to make bread. You need the flour. You need the oil. She already had the resources to give in the time of famine. God will never ask you to do something or give something that you don't already have the resources for. The woman already had what she needed to make bread. She had the oil and she had the flour because God will never ask you to do something or to give something that you don't already have the resources for. The woman already had the flour, she had already had the oil, but in her mind, she, don't, she, don't, she didn't have the bread. Because God will never ask you to do something or give something that you don't already have the resources for. And do you know what she had? She had a selfish mindset, didn't she? Because she said to the prophet, I'm going to go in here and I'm going to make a little bit of bread. I'm going to, I'm going to use my flour, use my oil, and I'm going, to make, I'm going to prepare it for myself and my son, and I'm going to die. Listen, folks, in the time of famine, in the time of crisis, it's easy for us to get selfish. Don't get selfish. It's easy to have the mindset, I'm going to prepare for myself and my family, and we're going to die. But what God is saying in the time of famine, and what God is saying in the time of crisis, don't have a clenched fist. Don't have a clenched hand in the time of famine. Release what's in your hand because God will never ask you to do something or give something that you don't have the resources for. The woman already had flour. The woman already had oil. And the prophet said, bring me bread. She said, I don't have any bread. All I have is flour and oil. She already had the resources to make the bread. But she had a selfish mindset. I'm going to prepare it for myself, and I'm going to prepare it for my son. We're going to eat it, and we're going to die. You see, we can have the mindset during this pandemic. We're all going to die. We're all going to suffer. We're all, it's all coming to an end. You know, we can have a negative mindset. We can have a pessimistic mindset. Or we can change our mindset and say, no, 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 no. God will never ask me to do something or give something that I don't already have the resources for. I'm asking you that during this time of crisis, don't live with a, with a closed hand, live with an open hand. I'm asking you to use the bread that you have, to use the flour that you have, and let's give. What about your neighbors? What about your friends? What about your family? Is there something that we can do to show generosity? I'm just not talking about money. I'm talking about a way of life. I'm talking about living a generous life, even the time of famine. I'm talking about living a life of generosity, a life of open hand during the time of famine, during the time of drought. I'm asking you to walk in the Spirit and live by the Spirit, because when you do that, God will provide. Amen? God will always provide. You see, God will never ask you to do something that you don't have the resources for. Listen, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about a way of life. I'm talking about living a life of an open hand. I'm talking about living a life with an open heart. I'm talking about living a life of generosity. 
with our words, with our actions, with our lifestyle. Live in a life of generosity, even in the midst of crisis. God will never ask you to do something that you don't have the resources for. He will never ask you to do something that you don't have the resources for. You see, her problem was that she had an idea, she had a, a mindset of consumption. And when we have a mindset of consumption, it always leads to death. I'm going to prepare it for myself and my son, and we're going to die. But she forgot that she had oil and that she had flour. And she said, I'm going to fix it for myself and my son, and we're going to die. Because an attitude of consumption is an attitude of death. It is amazing what resources that you will find if we open up our heart to God. I remember reading a story a few years ago about a man who was in a crisis. He was in a crisis. He was in a family dilemma, actually, and uh, he was going bankrupt, and he was praying to the Lord. He said, Lord, what should I do? I, I don't know. I'm a giver. I, I've always put you first, but I don't know what to do. And so he was praying to the Lord, and he was seeking the Lord, and, and so uh, he was cleaning, and the Lord told him to go to the back room and clean out a closet. And so he went to the back room and started cleaning out a closet and found an old picture in his closet. And uh, he was actually going to throw the picture away as he was cleaning out the closet. He didn't understand why the Lord told him to clean out the closet. He was back there cleaning out the closet. And he was taking stuff goodwill. And, and uh, he thought it was therapeutic to clean out the closet. But he came up on an old picture. Just, it looked kind of old. And, you know, and uh, he, he didn't think anything of it. But uh, the Lord told him to take it down to a certain place and have the picture to be looked at. And so he went down to a certain place, and, and he thought this pit, there was nothing to this picture. So he took it down to this particular place that he went to and had it, someone to look at it. And so when they examined the picture, they found out that the picture was 800 years old. And so they took it out of the frame and found on the back of the frame, uh, you know, writing an actual letter that was from 800 years old on the back of the letter. And, of course, a whole long story to this, and I don't have time to explain it all, but the short story is this, is that he actually got $40,000 for the picture. You see, God, my point is, is that God has ways of providing for us. He has ways and places and provisions to provide for us in ways that we never thought was possible if we open up our heart and listen to the Lord. It's amazing what God can do and ways that God can provide for us. Listen, God has ways of providing for you that is outstanding. I just, one of my pastor friends called me yesterday. And we were talking, you no, know, two days ago, he was talking to me. He said, Pastor, hey, I just want to tell you that, um, you know, we, we, we wasn't able to have church. And, uh, you know, just like everyone else. And uh, he said, my secretary went to the mailbox and they opened up the mailbox. He says, right in the midst of of a pandemic. He says, somebody wrote our church a $10,000 check. He says, these people don't even go to our church. He says, but they wrote, and I just started, I was happy. I started rejoicing because if you put God first, obey his word. God has ways of providing for you. He has ways of providing for you in places and ways that you never thought could ever happen. I'm telling you, he is a provider. He is a provider to trust him and to put him first. You see, what is the point of the story? Number one, 
God always takes care of his own, don't he? Always takes of his own. He took care of the prophet because the prophet belonged to him. If you belong to him, God will take care of you. It's not about the preacher or the song leader. God takes care of his own. If you belong to him, God's going to take care of you. There's a reason to walk in fear. Walk in faith. Keep your head up because God's going to take care of you. Number one, if you belong to him, God is going to take care of you. Number two, when you trust God and put him first, he will provide in ways and places that you never thought provision could ever come from. Amen. And number three, God will never ask you to give or to do something that he first never give you the resources first. Amen. And the fourth principle that I want you to see from this story is this. What's the whole gist of the story? Do you know what the prophet said to the woman? I want you to bring me a cake first. Because the Bible says, verse number 13, verse 17, verse 13. And Elisha said to her, do not fear, go and do as you said, but make me a small cake first and bring it to me. And afterwards, make yourself and your son a cake. The point of the story is this, is that the prophet said, make it for me first. Now, the prophet presents the Lord in this context. Make it for me first, and then make it for you and your son. And then the Bible says, she went, verse number 14, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of your flour shall not be used up, nor the jar of your oil shall not run dry until the Lord sends rain. What happened? When she obeyed the word of the Lord, she never ran out of flour and she never ran out of oil. What's the context? The context is, is when you put God first. When you put God first, he will provide. When you put God first, he will provide. Have you put God first, even in the midst of this crisis? Have you put God first? Have you put him first in your time? Have you put him first in your resources? Have you put him first in your thoughts? Have you put him first in your family? I mean, this is a great time to reorganize your time. This is a great time to readjust your priorities. Have you put him first? Have you put him first in every area of your life? Have you put him first? You read the book of Psalms, you'll find David saying, early in the morning, I seek you. Why did Dave say that? Because he put God first, number one in the morning. Have you put God first in everything that you do? And when you put God first in what you do in life, you will see provision. Listen, we've all made mistakes. We all haven't put him first. But thank God he's merciful. Thank God he's gracious. And thank God he still provides for us. Thank God he still loves us. The devil can't stop the Lord from loving us. Thank God he's so gracious and so merciful. That I'm telling you, when you put him first, you will see greater provision in your life that you've never known of. Amen. When you put him first. Amen. When you put God first. How do I put God first? The Bible says in Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these other things shall be added to you. When you seek him first, everything else will be added to you. I don't know if you remember uh, a couple months ago. A couple months ago on a Wednesday night, and I don't claim to be a prophet. I am not a prophet by no means, but I do want to share something with you. Uh, I, I was standing in a Wednesday night service, 
And of course, if you go to Christ Point, you know that we always pray on Wednesday nights. So we have prayer service on Wednesday night, and we pray over our eight things every Wednesday night. We continue to pray over those eight things. And so the Spirit of the Lord was moving heavily on Wednesday night. And as I was praying, I was praying in the Spirit. And I really felt like, and this is no disrespect to those that were there. I just really felt like I don't know if any, I don't know if people really understood what the Lord was trying to say that night. And so I, as I was standing there praying, I was crying, I was speaking in tongues. I was, and the prophecy came forth and said this, this happened in February. And the Lord said, I am getting ready to subtract so that I may, so that I may add. So through my addition, there may be multiplication. But fear not of the subtraction because I have to subtract first so that I may add, so that I may multiply. For the Lord would say, if you added, then you would think that you multiplied, and then you would get the glory. And the Lord would say, I desire the glory, so I first must subtract, so that at the end I'll get the glory. That's what, that was the word of the Lord that night. And that is found in Scripture. We even find in Gideon, before God demonstrated his glory in Gideon, he subtracted the army to 300, and the glory of God was demonstrated. That truth is found in Scripture, that sometimes God subtracts before he adds and before he multiplies so that he would get the glory. And could it be that God is subtracting right now? He's subtracting things in our life, trying to get our attention, so that in the end God will get the glory. This is only temporary. God it wants to develop an intimate relationship with us. He's trying to get us to a place where we become solely dependent on him. Subtraction. And what you say, well, pastor, that didn't really affect my life. Well, it affected my life. When that prophetic word went forth, the Lord has really subtracted some things in my life. You know, and, and I'm realizing that... Uh, He's going to get the glory in the end. He's going to get the glory in the end. So what are the principles that I want you to remember tonight from 1 Kings chapter 17? Number one, I want you to remember that in this crisis, in this pandemic that we are experiencing, I want you to remember, number one, that God always takes care of his own. That truth is found throughout Scripture. God always takes care of his own. No reason to walk in fear. It's an opportunity for us to walk in faith. Fear says, what if? Faith says, even if. Do not let delay derail your devotion to God. Number one, God always takes care of his own. Number two, when you trust and obey God, God will provide for you in ways places that you never thought provision could ever come from. And that's exactly what God did for the prophet. He provided for him through a widow with no money. He provided for him through a raven, which is a consumer. God has ways and places of provision for us that we never dreamed of. Number three, God will never ask you to do something or give something that he first hasn't given you the resource to do. And number four, God is always asking you to do number one. God, number one, you will see tremendous vision in your life. Amen. What is a consumer mindset? A consumer mindset is 
I'm going to eat it for me and my family, and we're going to die. That's a consumer mindset. That is a smart mindset. But a wise mindset is, I'm going to put God first. A prudent mindset is, I'm going to put God first. And the last principle I want you to see is this. The very last one, the fifth principle is this. It, was, it wasn't the amount or how big it was. It was small. Because the Bible says, the prophet said, bring a small cake. It's, it's not how big it is. It's, it's whether first. It's, it's not sacrifice that pleases God. It's obedience that pleases God. By putting God number one. It's not whether it's small or whether it's large. It's putting God number one. In other words, making the priority in our life. Amen. What I give God, he always gives back to me more. Because what happens? The bread and the flour, the bin never went dry. The flour, the, the, the oil never went, never run dry. When I give to God, he always gives it back to me more, pressed down, shaken together and running over. So I'm a teacher at heart. So let me re remind you of these points. Number one, number one, God will always provide for his own. Number two, we trust and obey God. God will provide for you in ways and places that you never thought provision could ever come from. Number three, God will never ask you to do something that he hasn't first given you the resources for. Number four, God will always ask you to do, God will ask you to give him the first. Not what's big or what's little, but to give him the first. Give it the first. And the last thing is, the last thing is that when you give to God, God always gives back to you more. Because you'll see that when he obeyed, when she obeyed, the flour and the oil never went dry. You see, what's the point of the story? What's the context? What's the truth of the story? The truth of the story is this. Obedience is the pathway to provision. That's the point of the story. Obedience is the pathway to provision. I'm going to say it again. Obedience is the pathway to provision. That is the main truth of the story. It's not about getting your money. It's not about getting this or that. No, no, no. It's about you just being obedient with your life. Being obedient with what God called you to do. Because obedient is the pathway to provision. What does it mean to follow Jesus? It means I have to be obedient. It means I'm obedient in the hard times. It means I'm obedient in the crisis. It means that I'm obedient when, when things are not going my way. It means that I've decided that I'm going to be obedient. Obedience is the pathway to provision. And without obedience, the doors of provision will never open. And that is why you remember the scripture that he desires obedience better than sacrifice. Saul was told to go and kill all the Amalekites. He didn't kill all of them. He kept the best came back to him saying, listen, it's not sacrifice that moves the hand of God. It's obedience. It's not what's the best. It's being obedient to God. Obedience is pathway for vision.
Amen. Obedience is the pathway to provision. Being obedient. Are you obedient to Christ's point? Are you obedient to things that he's asked to do? Amen. Are you obedient? Amen. And when we're obedient to God, we'll see the hand of God work in our life. Amen.